Welcome. This talk was recorded at Insight LA in Long Beach. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit us at InsightLA.org. The last time I was here, two weeks ago, our subject uh, that we covered was the Dharma of Relationships. And I thought we would return and explore that subject a little bit more. So the topic of this talk is the Dharma of Relationship, part two. <laughs> and so all of us have this hope that the mindfulness we cultivate in our sitting meditation practice on the cushion doesn't just work in a, with closed eyes in meditation, but that it will come with us off the cushion into life and into our relationships, into the world. And um, if any of us are practicing in this way, mindful communication, mindful relationship, a mindful way of relating, living our values, we begin to notice how difficult it is it's really a difficult practice, and it, it takes some intention, awareness, fortitude. It takes some effort. And the Buddha taught about mindful communication, and he gave us some guidelines to avoid harsh speech, judgmental speech, um, not to create uh, anger in a community and not to disrupt a community with your speech, not to lie, false speech, or speak idly, idle gossip, or just to talk. But that's about it for a guideline. And most of us need more, don't we? So you can find that that even if you've meditated for 20 or 30 minutes on your cushion, the next conversation could be quite mindless, <laughs> filled with reactivity and judgment, and saying things we don't mean, or just not paying attention at all. Um, it's so easy to say something hurtful and judgmental. It's so easy to treat the other as an object, or just, just do what I say, do, do what I need, get it done fast. And uh, I struggle with this myself all the time, as my partner could tell you, uh, right? So how do we get out of it? It's really great to give a talk like this when your significant other is in the room. <laughs> there's no win there. Yeah. It's very courageous. Yeah, there's no it win. is. It really is. Avert your eyes, Joel. <laughs> So again, we return to bringing this mindful awareness to the present moment in relationship to another. And today I would like to focus on one skill essential to bringing mindful awareness to relationships, and that is our capacity to listen deeply. So that's what we'll focus on today. Um, I grew up with a book on the bookshelf by Martin Buber. Anybody um, read his books and hear? Okay. It, he was a uh, philosopher. He lived from 1878 to 1965. 
a religious thinker, political activist. He was born in Austria. And the book that we had on the shelf in my parents' home was I Thou. And I would pick it up as a kid, read it, put it down, not quite get what it was saying, but I, I liked looking at the book and reading it from time to time. And so I will read you some of his quotes because I think they're beautiful and they apply to this subject of um, the intersubjective world between us and the potential for awakening, the potential for deep investigation, wisdom, um, dropping that sense of self into more of um, a sense of oneness, spacious awareness. So I'm going to read some of these and um, you can close your eyes and just listen, see how it falls on you, how you receive it. These are Martin Buber's words. In spite of all similarities, Every living situation has, like a newborn child, a new face that has never been before and will never come again. It demands of you a reaction that cannot be prepared beforehand. It demands nothing of what is past. It demands presence, responsibility. It demands you. I'll read it one more time. Just allow it to sink in in whatever way it sinks in. In spite of all similarities, every living situation has, like a newborn child, a new face. Every living situation has never been before and will never come again. It demands of you a reaction that cannot be prepared beforehand. It demands nothing of what is past. It demands presence, responsibility. It demands you. It's really speaking to this freshness and newness of every human interaction. If we see it that way, every moment is new. You'll never have the same conversation twice. And even if you live with somebody or know them well, they're never the same. If we're really aware, they're never the same. The impermanence of our dialogue and relationship is completely fluid. And those of us raising children, you really see that. Your child is never the child you thought he or she was. It's always changing in some magical way. They're always a surprise. When we're awake and we're kind of out of that autopilot, we're really present. So I'll read you another quote because I, I happen to love these quotes. There is a light over every person, and when two beings meet, their lights come together. As a single light emerges from both of them, to feel the universal generation as a sea and oneself as a wave in it. So there's a light over every person. <coughs> and sometimes I know for myself, I'm so rushed and task-oriented, I fail to see that light. 
or I've already decided who you are and what I need from you or what I want from you and what I think you don't have and I don't even see you. So we fail to see that light. And if we can pause and come from a mindful awareness, our lights come together and a single light emerges. And uh, that's a very nourishing and spacious moment interpersonally. That is like meditating together. It's mindfulness together. Great possibility. We're also hungry for contact and to be known and seen, and yet somehow um, it's um, easy to miss those nourishing moments with each other. I'll read another one. When two people relate to each other authentically and open their hearts, God is the electricity that surges between them. Our culture tends to focus on a romantic love as being very electric. We really idolize the romantic love, but love is just so vast and expansive. And um, you can have just a fabulous moment with uh, somebody in the supermarket checking out your food. You can have just a, an incredible moment, right? A stranger. Or, you know, you, you see a child playing and you have a little dialogue and say, oh, you're so sweet, right? So when two people relate to each other authentically and open their hearts, God is the electricity that surges between them. Here's another. Egos appear by setting themselves apart from other egos. So when I am so self-identified with, you know, what I need you to see me as, <laughs> it's easy to do, or what I need you to see me as, or please validate me, um, I relate to that one sometimes, and <laughs> right? Uh, we set up this little wall of self, and um, we set ourselves apart. None of this is easy, so... It's, it's an aspiration. It's, it's not a destiny. It's a, it's a journey. <laughs> I'll, I'll read one more. Our relationships live in the space between us, which is sacred. It's another invitation. The space between us is sacred. And, and that's the meaning um, in Sanskrit when people greet each other and say namaste, right? Namaste. Right. One self, God greets each other. The self in me greets the self in you. Or God in me greets God in you. It's a beautiful way to live. It's nourishing and sustaining and really fulfilling. So so how how do we get there? And um, I always look to Gregory Kramer's words, and I know those of you who have heard my talks before have for sure heard me mention Gregory Kramer. 
And here are some of his guidelines on how, how to listen deeply. The how. Some of this is intuitive knowledge, really. You know it. This is just um, a reminder. And I see some of you nodding. It's like we just need the reminder. We don't really need the instruction. We need reminders because it's already here. So listen with mindfulness. Staying present to the unfolding words. Present to the presence of the other or another. As we're touched by words, emotions, energy of our fellow human beings. We ground ourselves in awareness, present moment experience, just here now, awareness. And as we do this, we can awaken more deeply in this moment. Not just the ears for hearing, but the heart is attuned and open. So we're hearing and we're opening. And we let these words, the stories we hear, the facial expressions, the tones, the intensity of which the person is sharing, we let them touch our open, compassionate heart. And what we're offering the other is a gift of presence and appreciation. Our receptivity is appreciative unhurried by a personal agenda. And we, we don't have to interpret our listening with internal dialogue, which is easy. It's very often when um, someone is speaking, our minds start speaking right away, imagining, chatting, going back in our past. So Listening deeply means we do not have to soothe anyone, fix anyone, impress anyone, or dominate anyone. Just kindness in this moment, just compassion in this moment, just presence. And we can remain aware with attunement, because your mindfulness is internal and external, right? Of um, what happens inside. I was having coffee with a friend yesterday. And it's so easy when that person starts talking to get your own ideas, your past, your own emotions, images, memory, um, and suggestions come, and you know, all this activity internally while someone's talking. It's amazing how fast this thing works in here. Don't you wish it was a dial to slow it down? <laughs> like, <laughs> can I just slow it? Right? So this is internal fabrications. We're fabricating a world. And if we get lost in that internal world, we're not there for the person in front of us. We're no longer present for them. We're not relational anymore. We become um, stuck in our own internal story and not there. And it's very easy to project our own stories onto the speaker. When I was um, working with adolescents who were, had a lot of uh, 
depression and anxiety and cutting and all sorts of difficulties. The parents, and I could put myself in the category of the parent too, because it's so hard to parent, believe me. I don't have anything over any parent. Uh, but we would just work with them on mindful listening and nothing else for a session or two as a group. We would just have the parents come in because what parents do, and think about yourself as a teen or parenting a teen, it's so easy to say to a teen, well, when I was your age, or I work so hard for you and give so much, mm -hmm. or you don't understand how much you have here. But we're so busy getting into a story about the teen's behavior, and the parents don't mean to do that. So, so we did um, a couple of sessions on just getting them to listen with appreciation to their teen first, without going into the story. Why I need you to clean this table. Why I need you to pick up your socks out of the living room. You know, we, we just um, naturally go into that mode. So we taught them listening, and uh, we used this acronym GIVE from Marsha Linehan. You're smiling, right? You know that one? And we all we said was gentle. Gentle. Approach your child with gentle receptivity. Very hard for a working parent, maybe working two or three jobs and have bills and stress. Gentle. Come back to gentle. Act interested. Appreciate. And, and validate understand where they're coming from too when they don't clean the table or they're having a meltdown or they're very sad okay. easy manner have an easy manner it's very basic right but it's so easy to get lost in our own story when we're struggling like that just like that so we're, we're really telling them or guiding them and guiding ourselves is to, with a mindful awareness, to not project our stories on others for that moment. To suspend it. To just be present in contact. And nothing in our culture really supports that, if you notice. Wide receptive listening, just listen, just being, just being present with. And you can use a mindfulness of the body to know and ground yourself. And when I'm at work and when I'm really busy, I have an acronym that I use to remind myself just to land this way. Not to say that I will. But it's an aspiration, you know, it's an intention. It's pass. P for pause. Pause. Appreciate. I think this is just everything that everybody wants is just to be appreciated. They want to be acknowledged. And we all deserve that with each other. And uh, S would be set the intention to listen deeply. Set the intention. 
And the other is to be sense your body. Because we have to be aware in here to be aware out there. Any one of those. The date, there's just more nourishment that way, interacting. And um, less reactivity, a little more skillful language, skillful contact. And Gregory Kramer says, when we listen deeply, everyone has something to teach us. You may not hear something new. You may not hear something new, but you learn something new. So, um, that concept of you may not hear something new, but you learn something new. It's that ability to bring in a mindful awareness that doesn't know. Like the Korean Zen master, when he asks the koan, or you meditate on what is this, don't know. This is a great way to relate to people. I really don't know. I'm going to stop assuming I know. Because we do think we know. I think I know. You know, just to let go of that position to allow and be and see what you can find out. One last story and then we'll, we'll practice together. So several years ago, I got hired by a um, Korean senior center to help train their uh, social workers in some of the clinical skills and charting and the running of a center like this. And uh, no one spoke English. Very few people spoke English. Of course, the social workers did. And it was a wonderful place to go. I really enjoyed it. I was happy to uh, just be involved in the culture. That there were, they wore traditional dress, and there was music and the food. It was very rich, even without speaking the language. And so a year or two went by, and I got to hear the stories. Everything was translated. Um, and I began to understand some of what these uh, seniors had lived through, the Korean War, Japanese occupation, really harsh winters, starvation, cold. They endured quite a bit things we have not had to face in our society. And at one point, um, Korea split, as you know. There's the South and the North. And so some of these seniors never saw family again. Once that split happened, they lost fathers, mothers, sisters, brothers, children, never again. And many of them were in our center. So I had this bright idea to... Uh, <laughs> To have a group with, and in my mind it was so everyone could talk about these terrible losses and, you know, this is an American, right? And we share and we vent and, right, it helps. And so we get them, we, we get this group formed and we have the social workers who are bilingual in there and me and we write this whole thing out and we proceed to have this group, which had never been done in the center before. And um, 
I had to listen deeply to the translators and really had to listen deeply and just sit and listen. So this group was very popular. The members loved the group. They came every week. It was a great experience. It was really rich. We got the evaluations. And my mind is because we're all sharing about loss and coming together around um, the adversity and the hardship and sharing our stories. And what I found out after getting the evaluations translated, I was dead wrong. I had no idea what I was doing. <laughs> and that was not why the group was effective at all. What they said was that in their generation, there was no um, cultural way for men and women to come together and share deeply. The women went off here, and the men went off here, and even in the center, you would see tables of men sitting together, tables of women, women doing activities, the men doing activities. They were separate by gender. This was part of their cultural tradition. And by this time, many of them were widowed, and they missed the company of their partners. And so the reason why this group was so meaningful for them was it was we gave them permission to be together regardless of gender. <laughs> See what I mean? Listen deeply. Maybe we'll learn what we don't know. <laughs> Those are great moments, right, when you get shocked by how much you don't know and you got to know. And what do they say about good leadership? Good leadership is a leader who knows what he or she does not know. Right, and can own that. Like, oh, I don't know that. So listen deeply as an invitation to let go of what we think and to be receptive to learn something we don't know. So one of the things I want to say that I saw at the end by the last little thing here, I saw groups do some very interesting things. I saw some hand holding, spontaneous hand holding. I saw people leaning in. Um, I got a request, let's not stop. <laughs> and what that says is, how nurtured we get from the practice. I'm guessing. Am I right? right. Okay. So, so now is the time to share in a larger group uh, what the experience was like for you. <laughs> Do you want me to call on you, Joel? <laughs> oh. <laughs> I just, uh, you know, because your first comment about your observations just now, and I'm thinking, and you had observations about the group of Koreans, and you missed, missed it then. I missed it now. I'm sure you'll get plenty of observations later, Joel. <laughs> <laughs> if you need a place to stay.
Yes. So I, I can share. So yes. um, I am typically one of the first people that's happy to like share of myself. Uh, and we, we talked about that some of us have the same feeling because you want to be seen and known and liked. Um, uh, but in the situation where the, the setting was automatic, a little bit more depth, I found myself uh, more pensive and more hesitant to share uh, because of that potential of like, oh, really being seen. Wait a minute. <laughs> That's kind of scary. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. She never ended up sharing. Yeah. Because we <laughs> didn't listen well. <laughs> I mean, it, meaning in our group, I mean, it was not like, okay, one person was sharing and we were just listening. It was a very intense conversation we had because we could relate so well to each other. Mm. So, so we kind of put, with someone sharing of him or herself, everyone kind of put in, now I'm already taking over here. <laughs> so anyway, we, we all put in like what we, how we, we related to that and and so it was very fluid in a way and yet we ran out of time to go to share. <laughs> so so when the walls are down a bit you can almost see the universality that one mind and it gets very exciting right 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 and you can also see that craving I want to be seen I don't want to be seen you know, mm -hmm. as a very natural movement that happens all the time and that's what the Buddha taught and pointed to that underlying tension. Yes. Something I noticed that was interesting, you were talking about people leaning in here. Like, I, I actually felt I was more trying to stay open and keep, and, and I personally, I, I think when I listen to people and I'm relating to them, I'm like, yeah, yeah, I, I totally, you know, but I, I really, this time I really tried to just sit and sort of be more open. I don't know if my group, but I just, and it did help for me. I just noticed a shift in how I was listening to, you know, the, um, and, and just noticing, um, take, you know, really focusing less on getting my story in it and being more, you know, it's just an interesting process to see mm -hmm. that or notice it, so. Yeah, that awareness can be a field and open, can meet people that way. Yeah, thank you. Anybody else? Yes? We had a very disciplined little group over here. Just teasing you. I mean, we really, I felt really heard. You know, I just felt really heard. Nobody spoke while I was speaking. And that was true of each of us. But it's a great self control, by the way. But yeah, <laughs> you know, there was tremendous interest of leaning in. Um, but I felt really heard. And what was interesting, I think, for each of us is that we said what we had to say and we wrapped up pretty quickly because you don't have that other person interacting with you, which I found really interesting. It's not how it really happens in real life. I mean, usually. You know, you, you don't make that intention. I'm just going to keep quiet and not say anything. So it was interesting, actually, how kind of wrapped up things got um, when it, we just listened to the other person and didn't give advice or give our thoughts. That was interesting. Yeah. Yes.
I noticed that um, because I know the other three ladies here that me being the listener and not responding, although I wanted to respond, opened up my feelings to how I love them and I appreciate them. Mm -hmm. And it was very sweet as they were speaking and had all the time in the world. And I didn't have to get in. Um, sometimes my mind would say, oh yeah, me too. But it was like, oh, she's beautiful. Look, she's mm -hmm. saying this. You know, she's, wow, and she feels the way I feel. And mm -hmm. so it was really beautiful. Thank you. So like awareness has an appreciation automatically with it. With awareness comes an appreciation. Yeah. That we miss. Yes. Um, my experience was a sense of connection and feeling joy and sadness and um, and I it just it reminded me of an experience I had on Friday. Um, we did wheelchair soccer for the first time, and the students were just joyful and happy, and I was getting really emotional and started to cry, and I was like, it, so for me, this experience was that in-between place that I don't have a name for. Mm -hmm. So it's joy and it's sadness, or it's joyful sadness, <laughs> I'm not sure. And it's the same thing that I felt on Friday. It was, it was a good, positive experience. Beautiful, thank you for sharing that. Last one before we go. Yes. Yeah, I was just I was just now reflecting on something you said that the the the, the initial instruction was or part of part of it was that I, I really know nothing to do here except to listen, and and so it, it was really free. I mean, and that's that's true all the time, really. I mean, it's never not true. <laughs> and yet somehow the specific instruction, right? If you remember that right before we entered into this dialogue. You know, it was important to it because it, uh, re you know, because then I, I wasn't in my judgment or I, I didn't feel like I had to fix anything or do anything, but listen, I don't know, it's, it's just a, an obvious observation, but still <laughs> necessary somehow. Mm -hmm. Yes, and we need to have those blinding insights into the perfectly obvious moments <laughs> of our lives. Yeah. And yet, uh, um, we realize somehow that the, the problem is the expectation that we have, like basically the meaning listening has for us, because I think that's what we need to put aside, the expectation that we need to do anything for someone, the, the expectation that we need to you know, solve a problem. Um, so, and I think it's somehow still in the culture and in ourselves that we have the feeling it's not enough just to be there and hold the space. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, so to be really very aware that we need to put that aside. I, well, you know that's that? because your group are not the rule followers. See, I'm just <laughs> 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 that's extremely accurate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, except, one more. Except yeah. that there's the there's always the feeling of wanting to help. Right. Uh -huh. It's it's, it's a advice. reflex that, mm -hmm. that comes when someone says something and hesitates. You want to say maybe because you want to help. You just want to help. And most people just want to be heard, not helped. And you're a little lost in that. Okay, we have, you have wanted to say something, and then you want to say something. Yeah. You were as you were reading the, the directions. 
I, like I was able to like really hear the the people in my group, and I'm, without trying to think about what I was going to say. Although the early on, I wanted to, you know, I, I got to fix this, you know, and but I was able to have a conversation like that last night with my daughter. It was just amazing, and I just she I just learned so much about her by just asking her questions about stuff. And 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 uh, I thought I just thought that was really cool, and you know I got nothing but gratitude. I, I you know I it, it just <laughs> it just it just blows me away that and, and I I realize she is so in tune with who she is and what she wants, and she's nothing like me, and I'm glad for that because you know what I mean. I didn't want her to be like me. And she's not. Thank God. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for sharing. Last one, and then we're well, wrapping just, it up. I was just uh, thinking and feeling, and what came out in our group in a way is, uh, you know, when we think about listening, we're, we're thinking about listening to other people in, in this exercise a little bit. But the other thing that came through is, is listening to um, how profound silence, when we really listen to that, going deeper, uh, how much is there beyond verbiage? You know, like just for an example, um, two examples, like having a po poetry salon recently and um, someone didn't bring a poem and they, the whole time they were just listening and how profound it was <coughs> to the whole group. And so there was that. And then yesterday I, I, uh, I used to do massage for a living and yesterday I gave two massages to somebody and you know, no verbiage whatsoever, and there's this whole terrain that was just speaking to me, you know, and if you really listen deeply when we're meditating, or what comes up in that space of silence is phenomenal. So that's another level of deeply listening. Beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, so um, our time is at the end. just listened to a recording from Insight LA in Long Beach. For more information, please visit us at insightla.org.